And welcome back to the 49er Way Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Sahoda, and on today's episode, we got a lot to get to as always. Week 9 was another busy week in the NFL, a ton of great games, storylines, and much more, and we will recap it all on this week's episode. And of course, we will get to the Packers-Niners game from last Thursday night, talk a little bit about that, and look ahead to the Niners' big game on Sunday in Week 10 versus the Red Hot New Orleans Saints. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Well, let's get right to it then, shall we? And we'll start with last Thursday night's game between the Packers and the Niners. The Packers rolled in this one 34-17. Not much surprises in this one. The scoreline may not look like it was a complete blowout. But this is what happens when Nick Mullen starts football games. The Niners get their butts kicked for three quarters and then they score a few garbage time touchdowns, make the score look pretty, and that's that. But the Niners, they got their butts whooped in this one. There really wasn't that much of a surprise. The Niners only had three normal starters on offense. Mike McGlinchey, Daniel Brunskill, and Lakin Tomlinson were the only normal starters the Niners had going into this game. Everyone else on offense was a backup And we just knew it was going to be a very tough task for Kyle Shanahan and co. to overcome those injuries and keep up with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the rest of that Green Bay team that is oh so very good. And usually Kyle Shanahan is very good at making do with what he has and being able to move the football. And even in this game, I was kind of impressed how the offense still managed to move the ball down the field sometimes with literally scrubs coming off the street like River Craycraft I mean no offense to him but you know what I mean it's it was just I'm, I'm impressed of what Kyle Shanahan did with those guys but at the same time we knew it was going to be too much to overcome and and it proved to to do just that and the Niners didn't get going until the fourth quarter in garbage time when they scored two touchdowns having said that the defense had most of their starters there But unfortunately, they did not hold up their end of the bargain and they let Devontae Adams roast that secondary all night long. And once again, the pass rush was nowhere to be found. It's like we're playing a nine-week-long game of hide-and-go-seek and the pass rush is nowhere to be found. They are amazing at hiding this year. Opposed to last year, you knew exactly where they were because they would always be making their presence known. I don't know what is up with this pass rush, but they are missing Nick Bosa mightily. Let's go into some team notes. I'm not going to take too long of recapping this game because, you know, you can only do so much with the players the Niners had at their disposal on Thursday night. And it just it just wasn't the kind of lineup that you could line up with against, you know, the Green Bay Packers who were 6-2 and and the team you played in the NFC Championship game last year and say you know, yeah, we're going to compete in this game. You don't have your starting quarterback. You don't have your starting running back, starting wide receiver, starting left tackle, starting tight end, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. You know, it just, it was just a very unfortunate week. And this is how the whole season has been for the 49ers. But hey, they went out there, they grinded. And I I respect the hell out of that. And there are a few guys who I really respect out of that game. And we'll get to that when we get to the individual notes in a minute. Back to the team notes. 17 first downs, 3 for 10 on third downs. You know, again, when you have the guys that the Niners had starting on offense on Sunday, you know, you're, you you don't expect 
the offense to move the ball down the field like a normal Kyle Shanahan offense would. 55 rushing yards, you're definitely not going to go anywhere with Kyle Shanahan's offense if you're going to run for 55 rushing yards. Jerick McKinnon played pretty good for the most part, but 55 rushing yards, that ain't going to cut it. 282 passing yards, you know, looks good on paper, but if you actually watch the game, pretty much half of those passing yards were yards after the catch from Richie James. So that number may look good on paper, but it's really not as pretty as it looks. 337 total yards. Again, it looks pretty on paper, but it just, you know, it wasn't that great of a night for the Niners on offense at all, as expected. One interception, one fumble, turn the ball over twice. That's not going to help your cause at all either. The defense only had one sack and they did not force any turnovers at all either. Time of possession, Green Bay controlled the clock for majority of the night for 36 minutes. The Niners had it for 23. Again, this kind of stuff is expected. When you have the lineup that the Niners had, you know, you're not going to expect to do a lot of big things. And the Niners certainly did not do that. And it is definitely disappointing that the defense did not step up when they had majority of their starters in that game. And I'm, I'm not talking about Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman. Like those, those are guys that have been out from the beginning. I'm talking about our starting lineup that has been together now for a good five, six weeks. Like Javon Kinlaw and Kerry Hyder weren't starters at the beginning of the year. They've been starters for the last six weeks. Same thing goes for Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley. I'm disappointed these guys didn't step up. Eric Armstead has been a no-show all season. It's been very disappointing. But once again, the only guys that pop off the screen every time you turn on a 49ers game, at least in 2020, you're seeing Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw go to work. Those guys were fantastic. And that should segue right nicely into our individual notes. And we'll get back to Fred Warner in a minute. Let's go back to the offense. There are three guys, two guys I really want to shout out. Nick Mullins, 22 for 35, 291 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Again, 291 yards. Yeah, all right. You know, looks good on paper. But again, half of those were from Richie James Jr. And now let's get to Richie James Jr. Good God. If somebody did not buy this guy a steak dinner after that game, I would be madly disappointed. We are thin as hell. Uh, wide receiver, Debo Samuel, wide receiver one, out. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver two, out. Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver three, out. Dante Pettis would have been the wide receiver number four. He got cut. Trent Taylor did not do very much. Richie James Jr., who has been on this team for the last few years, this guy took advantage of his opportunity. Nine catches for 185, 184 yards and a touchdown. I, I tip my cap to that because that that is one of the most grittiest performances I have seen by a fourth or fifth string wide receiver. Richie James is a starter on special teams, but he doesn't really get involved on the offense, not because he's not good, but because we just have other skill players. Richie James is almost a poor man's Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Richie James was phenomenal. He was our entire offense. We could have done direct snaps to Richie James and he probably could have moved the ball downfield more than the rest of the 10 guys on offense. Richie James was fantastic and I applaud that man. And he embodied exactly the kind of culture that John Lynch wants to build and build the kind of foundation that the 49ers have. That's what they want to be known for. When guys are down, you got to step up and grind for your teammates. Richie James went out there on an ankle that he was apparently 
50-50 and warm-ups. So he wasn't even 100%. He was playing on a bad ankle and he catches nine catches for 184 yards and a touchdown. Richie James Jr., God bless your soul. I, I, I hope Kyle Shanahan gives him more playing time in the future. I really do. I mean, he was fantastic. Jarek McKinnon, 12, 12 rushes for 52, 52 yards and a touchdown. You know, not the fanciest numbers, but that was probably one of Jarek McKinnon's better games. But obviously, you run the ball for 52 yards, 55 yards in total on offense. In Kyle Shanahan's offense, don't expect to go anywhere. The rest, of, the rest of the offense was very underwhelming. And as I've mentioned many times already in the past few minutes on this episode, that was expected. It was expected to happen. But I definitely would have expected more from guys like Jordan Reed. I know he's coming off from an injury. Trent Taylor, Ross Dwelly. I, I would have liked to see more. And, and Nick Mullins, I would have liked to see more out of him. And he did not impress. And that was kind of disappointing. I thought he would have stepped up. And next week... After the way the Saints looked last week or on Sunday night against the Buccaneers, oh my goodness, if Nick Mullins is not on his game, it's going to be a long evening for the Niners offense again. But back to Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I mean, these guys are having a hell of a year, especially Fred Warner. I mean, he got the praise that you would want from any starting quarterback, opposing starting quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers, after the game, said to Fred Warner, which was caught on mic'd up, saying that you are the best middle linebacker in all of football. I couldn't agree more with that statement. It's just, it's just kind of cool seeing a guy like Aaron Rodgers point that out and admit in his post-game interview after that game, Aaron Rodgers fully admits that, hey, we did not play the same team that beat the crap out of us twice last year, but they still have number 54 on defense who was leading that defense. And you know what? I respect the hell out of that because Fred Warner... He has been the only consistent force for the 49ers on defense thus far. And it seems like everybody is picking up on it. Whether it's an announcer, a player, it doesn't matter. You know, Robert Sala was talking about this last year, but because we had so many good players on defense last year, no one really put the full attention on Fred Warner. But now, because Richard Sherman has been hurt, Nick Bosa has been hurt, DeForest Buckner's not here anymore, Eric Armstead has been a no-show, D Ford is hurt. All the attention is going towards Fred Warner because he's been the best player on this defense. And last year, he was just on a defense full of a ton of stars. Now people are really seeing how important Fred Warner is to this team. And if you asked Robert Sala last year how important Fred Warner is, he's like, that's the one guy I cannot lose to run this defense. I am glad Fred Warner is getting the respect he deserves because that guy is a baller and he's going to be a 49er for a very, very long time. So on to week 10, the Niners take on the New Orleans Saints who are 6-2 who destroyed the Buccaneers. And we'll talk about that later on in this episode. The only positive thing I can take going into this game is hopefully the Niners are going to get some reinforcements. We know Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk look like they are ready to go. Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert are maybes. Richard Sherman is a hard maybe. But that would be big. Even to get those guys on offense back to get Mostert, Debo, and Ayuk. Those are three guys that will most certainly help you move the football down the field. But I mean, at the end of the day, you can have all the weapons you want, but this New Orleans Saints team is on a roll. And we'll talk about more about them in a bit, but this Niners team has to be on their game and not even just the offense. If this defense does what they did last week against the Packers, 
the Niners are going to get smoked in this game. End of story. This defense has to step up. Alvin Kamara is playing at a high level. Drew Brees is playing at a high level. Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. You know Emmanuel Sanders is going to want to put on a show against his former team. I mean, this is this is going to be an incredibly tough task for the 49ers, especially without Garoppolo and Kittle and Sherman most likely and Bosa. All those guys were in that game last season in that amazing, amazing game against the Saints, an instant classic, 40, 46 to 45. I think the final score was that was unbelievable game 48 46 sorry unbelievable game season changing game but this year we all thought it was going to be the rematch that's not how this is going to be if the if this pass rush does not wake up and get to Drew Brees I mean oh my goodness Drew Brees is one of the last guys you want to give time in the pocket to so I, I wish this pass this pass rush the best of luck because if they don't get to Drew Brees oh lord Don't hurt yourself with turnovers and penalties. I mean, it's as simple as that. When you don't have your starters in the game, the last thing you want to do is hurt yourself even more. The Niners can stay in this game if they don't penalize themselves and they don't turn the ball over. And the last thing, the last note I have in this game, guys, just please make it a game. Please. I mean, they... This was a game that was supposed to be America's Game of the Week on Fox and Buck and Aikman on the call. And the, the rematch from last year's a, a sensational game. And two of the top NFC teams going at it in the 425 slot. And, and, and yeah, guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing. Neither is Nick Bosa. Neither is Richard Sherman. And neither is George Kittle. And oh yeah, Fox decided to go with the Bengals and the Steelers as America's Game of the Week. Instead of the 49ers and the Saints. Buck and Aikman, I don't know. I think they're either doing the Seahawks-Rams game or the Bengals with Steelers game. But they're not doing our game. That is a slap in the face. We are the defending NFC champions. So please, make it a game. Make, make Fox look bad for making that move. And make it a great game. That's that is all I ask. Just don't get blown out. And if they don't show up to play, they're going to get blown out. But I wish the Niners the best of luck. I really hope this is going to be a great game. But if not, good Lord, this New Orleans Saints team looks really good. So on week nine headlines around the NFL, it was a very busy week in the league. A lot of great games. We'll start with the Atlanta Falcons defeating the Denver Broncos 34-27. to Matt Ryan once again looked really good and the Broncos struggled. Jerry Judy had a big game. But the Falcons put together another win and they're starting to look you know, a little more like the team we thought they were going to be, although they're out of it. But they, you know, the Falcons are, are staying alive. They're, and they're they're playing good football right now. How about the Buffalo Bills? I mean, my goodness, I was saying last week that I think the Bills are legit, but they still need that signature win against a good team. Now, Buffalo still needs a signature win against an AFC competitor. But this is a massive statement to beat Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks 44 to 34. I mean, damn. Buffalo, they definitely opened some eyes this week with that win. A huge day from Josh Allen. And the Bills D was great against Russell Wilson, too. And once again, another absolutely putrid performance from the Seattle defense. And they had a healthy Jamal Adams in this game, too. And they gave up 44 points. I don't know, man. Seattle, they, they, their offense turned the ball over, I think, three or four times, and they still scored 34 points. Russell Wilson are, is going to do his thing. But that defense, 
oh my lord, they need to step it up because they are wasting a really good Russell Wilson right now that is playing at an MVP level. I don't know, man. Seattle's got problems there. They are definitely not a lock. And they play the Rams on Sunday. It's a big game. The Ravens defense put a stop to the Indianapolis Colts 24-10 to improve to 6-2. The Ravens offense got off to a slow start, but the Ravens D took care of business in this game. Ravens go to 6-2. Colts fall to 5-3. They have a big win against the Titans on Thursday night. Keeping things in the AFC South, the Houston Texans edged out the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-25. A big day from Will Fuller catching for 100 yards. The Texans got their second win of the season. The Kansas City Chiefs get come back to beat the Carolina Panthers at home 33-31. Not a lot of people expected the Panthers to be in that game. The Panthers did get Christian McCaffrey back. However, he did injure himself and is expected to miss more time. Man, just an absolutely terrible, terrible year for injuries around the league. Not just for the Niners, but for a lot of teams in the NFL. The Panthers, they kind of got into field goal range at the end of their at the end of the game. They attempted a 67-yard field goal. I mean, I think that's just putting some serious respect on Joey Slide that he even had a shot at that, but he really didn't have much of a shot at that. He missed, and the Chiefs won that game, and they rolled to eight and one. The Panthers fall to three and six. But the Carolina Panthers are a very scrappy team. It seems like they've been in almost every game that they've played this season. So I, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Matt Rule. I thought the Panthers were going to be complete trash this year, but they have been a very scrappy team. And I would probably say if a team plays Carolina in weeks 15, 16, and 17, and you're a playoff contender trying to clinch a playoff spot, I wouldn't want to play a team like Carolina late in the year. The Minnesota Vikings smoked the Detroit Lions 34-20, headlined by yet another ridiculous performance from Dalvin Cook, 200 yards on the ground. I mean, it seems like every week Dalvin Cook is just doing a new trick. This guy is just playing like a beast right now. I mean, Dalvin Cook, Offensive Player of the Year, I think he's a serious candidate right now. The Vikings get their third win of the season. The Tennessee Titans beat the Chicago Bears 24-17 in a very underwhelming game. Ryan Tannehill only completed 10 passes in this game, and the Titans still won. The Bears awful. The Bears' offense is awful. Whew, I, I pretty much said that before I even finished the sentence. Yes, the Bears' offense is awful, and they stumble to 5-4. The Titans improved to 6-2. The Chicago Bears, again, that 5-1 and one start, they looked great, and now they've lost three straight, and they look a lot more like the Bears team that we all thought they were going to be. It's just not that good. Nick Foles is just not that great. I, I am very firm on my argument that I think that Nick Foles is a system guy, and if he plays anywhere else other than in Midnight Green in Philadelphia— He's just not that good. He's just an average quarterback. But for some reason, when he puts on a Philadelphia Eagle uniform, the guy turns into Rocky. I have, I have no idea. But anyways, the Bears, they're struggling. The Titans get a must-needed win. They play on Thursday night against Indy. The New York Giants stay alive in the NFC East with a 23-20 win over the Washington football team. I don't know how it is that the Giants are 2-7 and seven and still have a chance. It's, it's unbelievable. But the Giants are, are, again, one of those teams... Carolina is much better than the Giants, but the Giants are also a very scrappy team. And I've noticed that in the past few weeks, they're playing hard. They're still very young and they're having a hard time winning games, but they stayed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night and then they go in against Washington and they get the dub. So 
listen, I still don't. The Giants, I think, play the Eagles on Sunday, which is a huge game for the Giants. So we'll really see how much of a contender they are to really make a push at winning that division. But I saw a stat this week saying that the Giants have beaten Washington, I think it's two or three times in their last 22 games. So Washington is the is really one of the only teams they've beaten in the last 22 games. So if there's another team other than Washington that the Giants have beaten, yeah, they haven't found that they haven't found that team yet in a while. The Raiders win at the buzzer over the Chargers 31 to 26. The Chargers had a chance to score the game-winning touchdown, but it was called incomplete in the back of the end zone and the Raiders keep up in the wild card race and improve to 5 and 3 in man. You just got a feel for the LA Chargers. They have been in almost every single game they have played and they just couldn't finish. Once again, they just can't finish. And I hate to see it because Anthony Lynn looks like he's on the hot seat. And that's just super unfortunate because I think Anthony Lynn is a fantastic coach. But if you don't win football games, I mean, it's it's going to come back to bite you. But the Chargers are in a lot of these games. They could easily have a winning record right now. They just, they've just had some very bad luck. The Miami Dolphins keep it rolling as they beat the Red Hot Cardinals who were coming off of bye 34-31. to Tua Tagovailoa looked a lot better in his second start. He looked way more sharp in the passing and the run game. Threw for two touchdowns and for 248 passing yards despite a big outing from Kyler Murray who threw for 283 yards and rushed for 100 yards too. How about the Dolphins? I mean, this right now is my surprise team. I mean, I did not expect the Dolphins to be this good. They're 3-1 and one against the NFC West. The NFC West is the most competitive division in football. And the, Nine, or in the Dolphins killed the Niners, beat the Rams very handedly, edged out a very good Cardinals team on the road, and they did their best and played with the Seahawks. That's very impressive for a young team. And Brian Flores... He is making a very good case for Coach of the Year right now. Speaking of Coach of the Year candidates, how about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers? They stay unbeaten and move to 8-0 after holding off fourth-string quarterback Garrett Gilbert, who got the start for the Dallas Cowboys. Steelers won 24-19. Ben Roethlisberger got banged up, hurt his knee, but he came back in the second half, led the Steelers to a win. Juju Smith-Schuster was huge in the fourth quarter, and the Steelers' defense, man... They are for real. They came up huge in that second half and won a gritty game over the Cowboys. Steelers look really good. They're the only unbeaten team left in the league. The Steelers, watch out for them. The New Orleans Saints blew out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in primetime 38-3. Yeah, that happened. I am not making that up. I am not making that that scoreline up. The New Orleans Saints beat... Tom Brady and this so-on-so called for super team, the Golden State Bucks or the Tampa Bay Warriors, whatever the heck you want to call them with Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and blah, blah, blah. They're the best team of football. And last week we were talking about how good the Bucks are. They looked horrendous on primetime against a team that you knew you had to beat to keep in the race for the NFC South, the Bucks lost to the Saints in Week One in New Orleans. That was a disgrace. If I'm a Bucks fan, I am pissed. Here you are. You have an amazing team. You have like 
all the stars that you could possibly have at your disposal. And that's what Bruce Arians and this offense do. This is what Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady comes up with. Three points. And really, they should have gone for it. And they probably wouldn't have even got it. This game could have well have been a shutout. The Saints defense deserves a crazy amount of credit for what they did. That was phenomenal job by Dennis Allen and that Saints defense. The New York Jets found another way to lose as they go to 0-9, and the New England Patriots barely escape a disaster in New York after beating the Jets 30-27 on Monday night. Cam Newton, he needed that win really badly. The Pats go to 3-5. The Pats still struggled, didn't look that great. They did not have a lot of wide receiver help in that game. But I give credit to Cam Newton for making that happen. And that defense, the Pats defense stepped up and they got a big win there in the Jets. Oh man, that's another tough one for them. So that was it for week nine. Looking ahead to week 10, there is like some good games on the schedule in week 10. And we'll start with the Thursday night or the Colts at the Titans. It's a big game in the AFC South. The Colts are five and three, Titans six and two. That's a big game for both teams here and both teams need this win. The Colts could make things interesting. They need a signature win here against a solid team. And the Titans, they could take control of the division. That should be a great game on Thursday night. The Bucks at the Panthers. This game, I think, is the one game in that early slate, which there isn't many in the early slate this week. But the Bucks panthers is a very intriguing football game. After the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played on Sunday night, you know they're going to be pissed. You know Tom Brady is going to be so mad and when Tom Brady's mad, you never want to play an angry Tom Brady the following week. But remember what I said about those Carolina Panthers? They're a scrappy football team. I wouldn't want to play the Carolina Panthers. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they didn't look so good. If I'm the Carolina Panthers, I'm like, whoa, we have a shot. Like, we know the Buccaneers are going to come back in and they're going to want to give us their best shot. But the Panthers are no pushover. That's a really intriguing game for me. I still think the Buccaneers are going to bounce back because they just have so many stars. That they just, you know, it would make no sense if they didn't. But I, I really do think, you know how those division games can be a little weird. It, you know, I, I would keep an eye on that Bucks-Panthers game at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Eagles at the Giants, another interesting 1 o'clock game. I mean, it's not that interesting. But, you know, the Giants, this is their opportunity. If they want to have a shot, they really should have beaten the Eagles the first time. Now they got a shot to try and beat them a second time. We'll see what happens in that one. The Eagles, this is their opportunity to take full command of the NFC East. But the Giants, it's a very big opportunity for them to kind of make, really give them a shot to win the division. The Chargers at the Dolphins, Justin Herbert versus Tua. I think that's going to be a great game. It's going to be a lot of fun. That should be a good one to keep an eye on. The Bills at the Cardinals. This is a very interesting game. And the Bills, they're 2-0 against the NFC West right now. And the Cardinals are coming off a tough loss against Miami. That's going to be a fun one. And you know, the way Kyler Murray's playing right now, and the way Josh Allen's playing right now, that is going to be a really entertaining football game. That's going to be a good one at 4 o'clock. Bengals at the Steelers. You know, this game did look kind of good, but Ben Roethlisberger is now on the COVID list. Don't know the extent of that, so... I don't know how great that game is going to be. Seahawks at the Rams. This is a very interesting game. And I say that because the Rams, I know they're on a bye week. They haven't looked that great before that. They went at, they went to Miami the week before. They didn't look that great. Seattle goes to Buffalo. That defense was horrendous. This is a big game for Seattle. Because if the Rams 
play like the Rams that they can reach, that Jared Goff that we think that he can be, the one that we saw that took him to the Super Bowl a few years ago, the Sean McVay that coached two years ago and Aaron Donald, Seattle could well be in second place, maybe even third place if Arizona wins after Sunday. This is a big game for Seattle. I think for the Rams, this isn't as big of a game. Like They don't have as much pressure going on them. But Seattle's better be feeling the heat right now. Because like I said earlier, how I feel like this defense is wasting such an amazing year Russell Wilson is putting together and DK Metcalf. The running game has been very, you know, on and off and the whole let, you know, let's let Russ cook whole thing going. This is a big game for the Seahawks. I mean, you know, all these division games, they're going to be super competitive, but you're going on the road against a Rams team that has been very, you know, hot and cold. This Seahawks defense has got to step up. You know Russell Wilson's going to do his thing. I know Pete Carroll's not worried about the Seattle Seahawks offense and Russell Wilson. But that defense, which is what Pete Carroll is known for in Seattle, is defense. And he just got paid an extension this past week. Boy, oh boy. That's a big game in the West. I'm excited to see how that one pans out. Headed, moving on to the Week 9 Weekly Awards. And we start with the Jerry Rice MVP Award. There were really good candidates this week. Devontae Adams, who cooked the Niners on Thursday night, 10 catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams has been balling out lately. Travis Kelsey, 10 catches for 159 yards against the Carolina Panthers. Travis Kelsey had a big day there. Dalvin Cook, 22 rushes for 206 yards, two touchdowns, and 46 passing yards. I mean, goodness gracious me. Dalvin Cook is just on a roll right now. And Josh Allen, 31 for 38, 415 yards and three touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, no picks. Josh Allen, this guy had some fried Seahawk for lunch against Seattle on Sunday. The winner of this week's Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award is Devontae Adams. 10 catches, 173 yards and a touchdown with 13 votes. In second place was Dalvin Cook at nine votes. Man, I I put Dalvin Cook as a candidate last week too, and he still couldn't pull out a win. Come on, guys. You got to show Dalvin Cook some love, man. This this guy, I don't think y'all know how hard it is to do what Dalvin Cook is doing right now. But you know what? Devontae Adams won this. Let's give Devontae Adams some love. And Devontae Adams, this guy's been balling. This guy's been playing like the best wide receiver in football. And honestly, without him... Aaron Rodgers has no one to throw to because they don't have a wide receiver too. Valdez Scantling stepped up last week, but other than that, it's been the Devontae Adams show. And especially Aaron Aaron Jones has been hurt the past few weeks. Devontae Adams has been all they've got and they've been managing to rack up the stat sheet. Adams has been killing it and Aaron Rodgers is relying on him heavily right now. And he's balling out and he's showing out. Devontae Adams, the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award, well-deserved. On to the Bill Walsh best team of the week. All four of these candidates deserve it. I think this is the first week all season where I look at all four candidates and I'm like, all four of these teams deserve to win this award. The Buffalo Bills killed Seattle on Sunday. They moved to 7-2 and for the first time since 1993. Unbelievable stat there. The Miami Dolphins 5-3 and and are 3-1 and against the NFC West. Super impressive stuff there. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-0 for the first time ever in franchise history. And the New Orleans Saints plastered 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on primetime, 38-3. And the Saints played an unbelievably complete football game. The winner that you guys voted for the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award, the New Orleans Saints. I have to agree with this one. The Dolphins gave up 30-plus points. The Bills gave up 30-plus points. The Steelers struggled at times to a fourth-string quarterback, but they still edged out a win. The New Orleans Saints, their offense kicked the Buccaneers' defense in the ass. The Saints' defense punched the Buccaneers' offense in the mouth. That was as good as a performance as you will see in the game of football. I'm not talking about NFL, CFL, college football, house league, high school. I'm just talking about the game of football. When coaches talk to players, when analysts talk about the game of football, you know, former players, you talk about playing a complete game. You talk about playing three phases, offense, defense, special teams. What the New Orleans Saints did on Sunday night was put on a clinic in offense defense, and special teams. The coaching was phenomenal. The offense was, they were a well-oiled machine on Sunday. The defense was unbelievable against an offense, an opposing offense that has the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the best tight ends to ever play at that position, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at wide receiver three, absolute studs at wide receiver and oh yeah Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones two pretty good running backs when they're healthy in that backfield and a pretty decent offensive line as well what the Saints did was unbelievable and they deserve this team of the week award 110% even though all four of these candidates deserve that award because they all make great great cases to win the to win the Bill Walsh best team of the week award but what the New Orleans Saints did that was fantastic, and boy, oh boy, I am scared for the 49ers on Sunday because they have to go into the Superdome. Luckily, there's not going to be much of a crowd, but still, to face that football team and after how the Niners looked last Thursday, oh my God. I just pray to God that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Raheem Mostert are healthy for that football game. To the Cody Pickett L of the Week Award, the LA Chargers lost at the buzzer for the second straight week. To the Raiders, tough, tough stuff for the Chargers. The Buccaneers got blown up by the Saints on national television. The Seahawks defense get plastered by Buffalo 44-34. Or the Jets give up a 10-point lead in the fourth to lose to the Patriots and move to 0-9. The winner of this week's Cody Pickett L of the Week award is well-deserved. And I just went on a whole tangent about the New Orleans Saints. Now I get my two minutes of fame to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how much they, you know what, the bed on national television on Sunday night. So here this goes. Not going to make this too long, so let's try and make this quick here. But, wow. I mean, the, 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 the Buccaneers a week ago looked like the best team in the NFC. You could look at the whole list of the contenders in the NFC, and you can sit there and analyze, you know, is this team a little bit better? Seattle's got Russell Wilson, you know, the Packers got Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, and, you know... But the Buccaneers have Tom Brady and they're playing really good football right now. And that defense is playing really good football right now. Oh my God. This was a must-win game for Tampa Bay. They needed this win to split the series with the Saints at home, on primetime, on Sunday night. That was embarrassing. 
absolutely embarrassing. And I don't even know if embarrassing fits the script. I don't even think the word embarrassing fits the script. Like, I don't even know what word to define that result in that kind of game that was hyped up the way that it was. I mean, I'd, I have no words, and I don't think Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans have any words either. I'd, it's, it's, it's inexplainable. The New Orleans Saints sure have a lot to say about it, and Jameis Winston, who did literally nothing, had a lot to say about it. But I don't know. This, this, it, looked, it was a really bad look for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and for Tom Brady. But I don't know. That's, that's as tough as it can get. But that was bad. And there's a lot of football left. It's only week nine going into week 10. And we all know Tom Brady and we all know this Buccaneers team. They will bounce back. But that was really bad. And we'll see what happens come playoff time. But that was a really bad look. And maybe that was the changing of the top team in the NFC the Buccaneers look like it for the first half this is usually where the Saints get hot and that's exactly what's happened so far to the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week award not going to talk too much about it because the Buccaneers getting blown up by the Saints won this week's award but I'll give Garrett Gilbert some love he was the other candidate he was the fourth string quarterback getting his first ever start for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday against a very very good Pittsburgh Steelers defense he did really well 28 for 38 243 yards a touchdown and a pick Hey, I got to show that kid some love. Garrett Gilbert was good, and it looks like the Cowboys might have a quarterback to survive the rest of the season where they can compete on Sundays. So, you know, it, it's nice to see that. You know, the Dallas Cowboys still have, you know, good players on that team, and I don't like to see that team get, you know, look bad, and, you know, they get a lot of hate, and their fan base gets a lot of hate, and you have to hear Stephen A. Smith dance around like a, like a clown you know, after a, every Monday after a Cowboys loss, but you know what? Garrett Gilbert went out there and he and he played good football. On to the Week 10 Survival Pick of the Week. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens over the New England Patriots. I think the Ravens are playing good football right now. The Patriots did beat the Jets, but they still struggled in that game and they didn't look that great. I like the Ravens, even though it's in Foxborough and the Patriots are coming off a win. I think Belichick will have a plan for Lamar Jackson, but the Patriots, I don't, I just don't think have enough. I'll take the Baltimore Ravens in that matchup. That will do it for this week's episode of the 49er Way podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone has a great week.